Now in its third year, it's a yank on the footy with Craig Wessels talking about the greatest game on the face of the earth. Sit back and enjoy, everybody. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 188 of A Yank on the Footy. I'm Craig Wessels coming to you from Sandusky, Ohio. Thanks for giving this episode a listen. In just a few moments, I will be joined by Daniel Cherney from Code Sports. Great, great uh, online uh, sports magazine. Now, folks, don't forget that if you are interested in having your club get featured and get a shout-out during an upcoming episode, drop me a note via email or shoot me a note on my socials. Uh, I love being able to give a shout-out to clubs and uh, learn a little bit about uh, the the geography of the game by uh, diving into the history of these clubs. Today's club of the episode is being sponsored by MickAussie.tv. MickAussie.tv is run by Kim Harrison, or as we call him here in North America, Mick Aussie. Uh, Mick has spent the last two decades plus running his sports comedy channel talking about the NFL, the CFL, the AFL, as well as uh, other sports. He also appears regularly on Sports Grid TV, and he was a terrific footy player in his own right in South Australia, as well as in the Northern Territory. Now, this club, this week's club of the episode are the Sunbury Lions of the Ballarat Football League. The Lions were formed back in 1879, and they won their first of 25 premierships in 1892. And uh, one of the alums of the Lions is none other than Essendon's Matty Prospakis. The club is over 30 different teams competing in all sorts of different levels of football and netball. And they play their home games at the Clark Oval on Riddell Road. And following their final home game of the fixture this year on the 20th of August, the club is going to be hosting their last person standing contest with a grand prize of $500. So if you're in the area, if you're a supporter of the club or this, uh, this league, you know, check with the club for tickets and best of luck to the Lions going forward as they close out their 2022 fixture. Now, ladies and gentlemen, before we dive into my discussion with uh, Daniel, I do want to encourage you to go back and take a listen to episode 186 if you haven't done so yet. Uh, I do hope you'll give it a listen. Uh, As I mentioned in that episode, uh, the last 10 minutes of it or so, it's only about a 20-minute episode. The first half of it is a little tribute to my uncle who passed away on the 8th of July. Just an absolutely wonderful gentleman. But the second half of it is a a bit of an appeal for folks uh, with regards to an upcoming birthday for someone, for, for my mother, quite frankly. And uh, she's hoping to get as many different birthday cards from around the world sent to her uh, with a photograph of something that makes the sender happy. A sunset, their favorite club, their puppy, what, whatever it might be. Uh, so hopefully you'll uh, consider helping me out with that. That'd be great. I will put the mailing address for that in the show notes for this episode. I uh, did get the first card in the mail a couple of days ago. So hoping to have a much, much bigger stack of those to be able to uh, to go forward here. So let's go ahead and dive into my chat with uh, Daniel Cherney. And uh, we'll come back and we'll close out the episode after that. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, my guest this episode is a Melbourne-based sports writer. He spent eight years with the age, has covered test cricket around the world, has been recognized for his writing in both footy and in cricket. He currently writes for Code Sports. I'd like to welcome Daniel Cherney to the podcast. Daniel, thanks for getting up this morning and, and sitting down with me, sir. Craig, pleasure to be with you. I truly, truly appreciate it. Uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm a subscriber to, uh, to the the organization that you work with right now, Code Sports, and um, you had a, a really interesting article that came out a couple of days ago that I reached out to you and wanted to touch on, and it's dealing with kind of like homesickness, if you will, in footy, and it's something that has really piqued my interest as an American footy uh, fan because you know you you wrote in the article how the you know, that the AFL kind of looks at the NFL and the NBA as far as contracts. And that sort of thing. But I wanted to ask you about a couple of things related to that. But for those folks who have not read your article yet, can you, you want to give us a little quick synopsis of it? Sure. Uh, so I, I did a bit of a, um, a bit of a deep dive into what's called the, well, what's sort of broadly and loosely called the go home factor in, in the AFL and, and I suppose Australian sport more broadly, but particularly in the AFL, uh, where players tend to uh, not, not, exclusively and certainly there are a lot of players that continue to play interstate uh, away from where they, they, they grow up but uh, there is sort of a bit of a phenomenon where in the AFL um, after a certain while when players get drafted to interstate and given that most of the uh, most of the clubs are in Victoria and and um, most of the players come from Victoria or certainly disproportionately so uh, that they tend to um, request trades or request moves back to back to their home states at some stage um, as I said, not not exclusively. There, there are plenty of players who continue to play their careers away from where they were born, where they grew up. But uh, there's a there's a reasonable phenomenon where players tend to, it tends to happen every year. Uh, a handful of players um, they tend to be some of the more high profile moves around trade period and free agency. Uh, there's also a bit of a phenomenon where before the draft, players uh, well the, the draft is supposedly and and you know broadly is national and players can go anywhere and. Once they nominate, they, they can go anywhere. Uh, the, uh, players, uh, a handful of players, certainly not the, not the majority, but a handful of players, um, I suppose, make it reasonably clear that they don't want to go interstate. And obviously, it's up to the clubs at the end to make the decision as to whether they mm-hmm. uh, recruit them. Because uh, once you enter the draft, you you have to go wherever, you know, officially you have to go wherever you're, you're asked, but um, wherever you're picked up. But uh, the messaging can be quite strong from some of these players that uh, that they don't want to go for various reasons. So, I just did a bit of a yeah a bit of a deep look at, at this broad broad phenomenon. There are certain clubs that are affected more than others. Uh, in particular, the expansion clubs, uh, the Giants, probably mm-hmm. most of all. Um, but but really, the North, New South Wales and Queensland clubs, because they come from state the non traditional footy AFL states. Right, where right there aren't as many players who are natives of those states. So inevitably you're going to bring in a lot of players that come from interstate and therefore um, are more susceptible, more vulnerable prone to, to this sort of go home factor. So there's a bit of a close look at it. Uh, I don't profess to have the, the answers to how to solve it or whether there right, is a right. solution, or, but it, it was just a bit of a, an examination of, of, of the issues and some of the challenges and, and what really happens behind the scenes. Yeah. The, the one I remember the, you know, and you have some photographs in there of uh 
Taylor Brun, I think I'm pronouncing his last name correctly, that is you kind of the poster child for it, I think is how it was described there that, you know, just, you know, he said he didn't look happy, but, you know, it, as, as he said later on, it was more of a stoic look that that's, he was very serious about things. And, and then Archie Perkins was very, was, was somewhat vocal about not wanting to go interstate, but would, would, uh, and I know zoning used to be a thing, and that's kind of gone by the wayside. But since it isn't a, a, a national competition right now, zoning probably would not work terribly well. That would really hamstring clubs like GWS and the Suns and and the Lions and the Swans, wouldn't it? Yeah, it, it would. Um, I mean, well, I suppose it depends on on what the what on which zones they they, they each received. But uh, the, zone, the zoning dates back. And look, at, at, at one level, we do still have an element of zoning through the Northern Academies, mm-hmm. and the draft is not, um, you know, and from for I mean, clearly you're you're, you're all across it, but um, you know, perhaps some of your American listeners who are, who are newer, to, newer to the to the sport and its nuances and intricacies that, um, may uh, grapple to get their heads around it. I mean, certainly, I think even for the casual follower of footy here, it can be a bit convoluted um, that uh, there there are there are bidding systems uh, with next generation academies which are for players of sort of multicultural backgrounds and um which were in, themselves brought in as sort of a almost a, a makeup for for victorian clubs that were annoyed about the northern academies where, where mm-hmm. these clubs have pro- priority access so there are sort of zones at the moment but yeah but um where clubs have priority access but the, there are mechanisms in place where they have to bid on these players so effectively they have to still pay close to market rate to, to get these players but Historically, zoning, uh, I mean, I, I, the thing that's always worth remembering about the AFL is that it, it did evolve from the VFL. I mean, it is really, right, it's, right. It's, a Victoria, it, it's a Victorian competition that, mm-hmm. and, you know, I'm sure you're across this, but it's a Victorian competition that, um, you know, that, that turned into an Australian competition. Uh, and, you know, if you were designing a national football competition now, you probably wouldn't have 10 of the 18 teams within one state, but that's just historically how it's evolved. So, um Historically, uh, the Victorian clubs would each have zones, both metropolitan and uh, within metropolitan Melbourne and sort of within regional Victoria, which would be their catchment areas. Mm-hmm. Um, but that sort of went by the wayside, uh, I think, by, by sort of the early 90s as the national draft came in. That came in 86, the national draft. Um, and there was sort of a, probably a period where there was a bit of a, a crossover. And look, the rules with the draft have... Um, they continue to they continue to be, continues to be fine tuning around certain things. The bid, bidding system was a big one with with academies and points, and, and, and each pick has a, a point system. But right, broadly right. speaking, uh, broadly speaking, uh, zoning. I mean, I suppose in in um, you know when you look at it, trying uh, trying to find solutions. I can see where you're coming from. Find a solution to the go home factor. Well, maybe each club having a zone would be an answer, but it it, it probably wouldn't. I think there'd be too many. Um, there'd be too many uh, kinks with it. It would, it would be, it'd be hard to have a fair distribution of talent. There'd be real mm-hmm. aberration from year to year. I mean, even back in the seventies and eighties, there were zones that were sort of um, probably seen to be perceived as, as stronger recruiting zones compared to others. And other, some clubs had, had leg ups, but, and more to the point, you're, as, you, as you touched on, yes, that the, the giants, the suns, the, 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 even the swans and the Lions would be, um, I suppose, negatively impacted if they didn't get to uh, recruit, um, if they, if they had to solely record, mm-hmm. rely on New South Wales and Queensland talent, and, and probably the clubs that would probably benefit more than more than any other would be um, the South Australian and Western Australian clubs, because I think 
they probably they, they slot somewhat not 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 extraordinarily but sort of per cap- relative to the the amount of clubs in the league they have more players from those states um makes sense yep twenty percent yep. more so that they, they would get the pick of the SA and WA talent and in theory would would do better so it's an interesting thought but I, I don't think it's it's going to go back to that so along with this and I and you know a lot of these young men that are and, and women now in the, in the AFLW that are coming in are coming into this game at, and playing it at the highest level at 18, 19 years of age. But, you know, a lot of these younger players that are coming in, you know, when they're signing their initial contract, it's a two, it's just a two year contract. Do you think that that initial contract should be longer for clubs? Because, you know, you have clubs like GWS, like Gold Coast, who've had a tough time retaining players because I, you know, I, and I'm not sure how familiar you are with the NFL's contract system, like for their first round picks, they have, you know, they, every one of them signed to a four-year contract and then they have like a fifth year option where if the club decides, okay, you're good enough. We want to keep you. We're going to sign you on for this fifth year, or they may say, we're not going to pick up your, your fifth year, prove it to us in your fourth year to get a fifth year deal from us. Mm, yeah, no, it's, it, 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 it's, it's, it's a, it's a stock. It's quite a stock contrast. Um, and I mean, it's 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 interesting because uh, as as you sort of touched on, uh, as I wrote in the piece, the AFL try to, in a lot of respects, have, have modelled things on on the way the NFL, maybe uh, to a lesser extent, the NBA have done things um, in terms of draft salary cap, flexible fixturing, mm-hmm. just 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 a lot of even the what the, the TV rights splits and glamour, a lot a lot of the a lot of the, the sort of. Um, Point to an extent where where you can probably be um, they can probably be accused of being a bit, um, Americanizing the game a, a bit too much. But um, sorry about I that. Think, yeah, <laughs> that's okay. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. And that's and that's not a slight on uh, that's a slight on, on you or your nation, but uh, not intended to be. But um, the yeah, look, there has been discussion about extending the the the, the uh, first round draftee contract. It's one of, um, from two years because it's just it doesn't. And this was particular. It probably hasn't been a talking point as much for maybe a few years. Um, I think the the concessions given to the Suns in 2019, um, whereby they got pick one, which effectively meant they got pick one and two, plus they got some other sort of sweeteners, um, later later draft picks, and and, and, mm-hmm. and um, priority access to a to all the Northern Territory Darwin zone. Um, they. Uh, where they picked up Matt Rowell and Noah Anderson together, right, right. who were best mates from Melbourne, and that was sort of a bit of a opportunistic move from the AFL, which is yeah, fair enough too. But um, yeah, it's it's an interesting discussion point. Uh, certainly, I think the, the the New South Wales and Queensland clubs would be happy for this to come into place. Uh, it would allow them a better chance to sort of build a case to keeping these players beyond the two year deals. Now, to be fair. Uh, there's probably not actually that many. Um, there's probably not that many players that um, that end up um, leaving after their, their initial clubs necessarily after two years. Right. And right. even I, don't, I know some of the um, even some of the sort of um, more prominent management companies tend to encourage their players to at least give these clubs four years, but okay. so so extend. And you will often see players. But but what's interesting is that a lot of the time they will do so. But they will do so leveraging the fact that there is this sort of retention concern and, and we'll end up sort of um, fleecing these clubs for, for, for extremely lucrative third and fourth year contracts well above the, the sort of average wage for a player mm-hmm. of that, of, of that age. Yeah. So if you, there, if certainly there, if, you, if you can get it, you know, 
Ex yeah. Exactly. Go. No, no, it's cap yeah. capitalist society. So there you um, go. <laughs> so um, yeah, so that that has itself trickle down effects. Look, it's a discussion point. It was something I raised with several people when making these calls with agents and clubs um, for this story. Uh, look, I, I I don't see it happening uh, just because the players have a lot of power and um, players, you know, like like anyone um, want are more likely to ask for greater freedoms rather than restrictions and restraints. Uh, I think it would need to come with a, a reasonable trade-off. Mm -hmm. um, let's talk about restricting, uh, uh, cutting back the free agency or bringing in the free agency threshold from eight years to six years, which and I know, I believe in American sports, pardon my ignorance, but I believe eight years is sort of quite extreme for, um, for in terms of relative to, to some the free agency threshold for uh, yeah. the US sports. Um. Well, like in the NFL, for example, you know, if, you, if you're the first round player and if they've played the, the first five years of their contract, then, then the club has the option to use what they call the fran. They get to have one player that they get to use the franchise tag on where they end up paying them significantly more to stay. But they can do that, I think, for two seasons. So I guess that in that case, I think it'd be like seven years after that initial drafting, then they could they could be an unrestricted free agent. Mm -hmm. yeah 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 which is interesting so i mean here we here you get to at the earliest you get to eight years to be an unrestricted free agent and even then that's only within the, the top 25 percent. so the, the top 25 percent of players on a club's list are actually considered restricted free agents after eight uh, when they're the first time they fall out of contract after eight years so mm -hmm. um it can take for an elite player to become an unrestricted free agent takes generally take you're talking at least 10 years i mean to be fair, restricted free agents tend to be able to move. So there's a bit of a trade-off that potentially happened. Could you go from, you know, is it free agency after six years or six, six or seven years uh, and the first round draft picks go to three? I, I suspect if you were going to have, um, there'd have to be some give and take um, and whether the league clubs would all agree to that. Um, you know, self-interest would obviously be... Um, right, right. Obviously rules the roost with all these things. So you've got to always... Um, try to ascertain what the the, the agendas are but it, it's a, it's certainly a, a topic that okay. i think it's worth discussing and interesting yeah okay i had a couple of other things that i wanted to to touch on with regards to this season but then also your career a little bit as well who's going to take the eighth spot because it's not i'm not convinced anybody actually wants it <laughs> yeah uh, no, the recent performances of some of these teams would uh would suggest as much. Uh, look, it's a good question. Um, Addie Ryder's going to be out for the next month. You know, it's, yeah, that really hurts the Saints. Yeah, the way the Saints are playing yeah. the last, you know, best part of the last six weeks, mm -hmm. it'd be very, very hard to see them making it. Um, just the form's just been too poor. Uh, the Bulldogs uh, hit their straps. Well, they were a bit better. They looked at the straps. They were a fair bit better on Friday night, but they've got a tough run home and still have to. Oh, look, Look, um, what's the old adage about possession? I think possession is nine-tenths of the law, as they say. Yes, and, yes. Um, so I think I'd, I'd probably still back Richmond in. Um, and the fact that they've, you know, it's not like they've been playing terribly. They've been losing close games. Right, right. So I, I'd probably give them, look, I think Gold Coast have a quite an accommodating fixture mm -hmm. uh, and are certainly still in the in the frame. Um, look, I, I would probably say Richmond, but um, I think, Gold Coast would actually be, despite the loss to Western, they'd actually be the next best chance. I, I can't see some Kilda making it with their difficult fixture. The Bulldogs are an outside chance, but again, it's a tough run home. Port Adelaide, um, real uphill task from here. Right, right. And I think, 
I think I've touched on them all now. So yeah, oh. and, and, yeah. So I, that, I, you're right. It's, I did see somebody post that technically Essendon is still alive mathematically, <laughs> which you know, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't I, think I they're going to get I there. Did, <laughs> no, I did. I did see that post. Uh, and to be fair, that they, they are in good form, but uh, I think they've from um, from what were they three and eleven? I think they might have left it around. Yeah. A bit yes, they, yes, they. So is your uh, is your grand final prediction still in place? Are your clubs that you you tip for the grand final at the start of this year still in place? Mine is a wreck. Uh, I think. Good question. Uh, I'm trying to think who I actually tipped for the grand final. Look, I, I think I tipped Melbourne and Brisbane at the start of the year. I'm pretty sure. Um, and uh, I look, they're both. Yeah, clearly they're both still thereabouts. But um, you know, on recent form, it's hard to sort of. Geelong are playing some pretty irresistible footy, notwithstanding that they're, they're, they've been shaky in the finals. Yeah, no, no, you are. I can see you're. You're a Cats fan. You'd be the second biggest overseas Cats fan that I know because my uncle, who lives in Israel, is an ex is not is an expat, but he's he's a mad Geelong okay. fan. Okay. And he calls up he calls up SEN. His name's Dave from Israel. Um, okay. He's um, but um, uh, it's neither here nor there. But um, oh, look, I would probably you know at the moment I think Geelong probably deserve premiership favoritism. I mean it's. It's a fleeting thing, and what does that even mean? Right, you know? right. It's, it's, exactly. It's just, yeah. I think, I think though that they will, especially with a pretty soft run home I, from here, and that's, you know, they, they've done well, but they've got a reasonably accommodating fixture. I think they'll probably finish, probably top. Um, hard to see them missing the top two. Uh, now, admittedly, they don't get a final in Geelong um, unless you know, um, unless there's some sort of uh, extreme change of plans from the AFL, but. It, it, it's not going to happen. No, so, no, they give themselves every, they give themselves every chance. Um, look at the moment, I'd probably be predicting a Melbourne and Geelong grand final. I really liked Fremantle um, until, but that loss to Sydney sets them back a fair bit. I thought that was a, a really big game for them. If Fremantle had won that, I probably would have them almost as the, as the second seed uh, behind Geelong. You know, again for whatever that means. But right, right. Um, Look, I think Melbourne Geelong at one and two, um, the prospect of both playing finals in Victoria at the moment, as it stands, I think they'll probably play in the grand final. I think Brisbane have been very shaky. Haven't haven't done much this year to, to convince me that they've improved. Um, I like Fremantle. I think if they, on any given day, they could beat anyone. But, um, you know, I think unless they can somehow snare a top two spot, it's a big ask. Okay. Uh, and, then, and then from there, Carlton have been... Good, but you probably aren't going to make the top four now. I think, on, again, on any given day, could see them not knocking. Not, yeah, their best is very good, but could see them knocking off anyone. But yes, yeah, it's a tough from outside the top four. Sydney, just a bit too inconsistent, um, in my view. And Collingwood, a great story this year, and all credit to them. But I yes, just think, yes. uh, you know, they just keep on winning close games. But I think when you look at their percentage, it probably suggests that they're a little bit. It's a little bit inflated in terms of their ladder position. That they're they're a good team. I don't think they're a great team. I think they'll be mm-hmm. in the They'll be in the finals. I could see them, you know, even making a prelim if, if, if all things went well, but I just can't see them winning it. Okay. So I had a couple more things before we wrap up here. Um, what got you into sports journalism? How did you get the bug? Who inspired you? Uh, yeah, good question. I, I think I always, 
um, it probably dates back to being a kid. I think I just naturally, look, I just, you know, from when my dad first took me to, to watch a footy game, um, St Kilda supported growing up, um, and you know, I suppose still am, but um, no, no, not quite as passionate as, as I was back in the day. But uh, when, um, you know, I just loved it from, from a young age, from five or six, and would um, sort of uh, absorb all the um, footy TV shows and mm-hmm. read game coverage and uh, there was less less of it back then but um radio newspaper um uh you know and in the early days of the the internet and all that so um you know when we, when we started getting the internet you know i'd gone sports sites and that so i just think i, nat- I, I naturally liked it i think i probably you know I, I enjoyed reading as a kid and um so i think it was natural you know had naturally reasonably you know, literary and had a, had a reasonable flair for it. Um, so it's probably always a bit of a passion for, for it from a young age. I mean, I, I think for a long time, I didn't think it was a realistic career path. I thought it was, oh, this is going to be too hard to get into. And, mm-hmm. um, and I mean, without, you know, a bit of a circuitous route to get there, I, I finished school. I, I, I end up doing a law degree, which I um, struggled my way through. Um, and my marks were, nothing to write home about and, and probably pretty early on I, I realized i didn't really want to um want to can go I, down that path properly just a quick quick sidebar um um we 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 elected a president not too long ago <laughs> who was not anywhere near the top of his law class either uh so <laughs> but oh, well, uh, I, i'm in good i'm in good, good company then oh there you go uh, there you go uh, better, better than the last one um he um uh yeah, no, no. So, um, yeah, look, it was, a, it was a bit of a secure, a bit of security route to get there. Uh, after a couple of years um, of that, I sort of started, oh, for want of a better term, dabbling a bit in sport okay. media stuff. I started, to wear, I started to, you know, a bit like yourself with your initiative, you know, and I, I you know, as, 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 as I say to a lot of young or aspiring sports journalists or people mm-hmm. who want to get into the industry, you know, there's probably, um, you know, you, everyone can do with a bit of luck and all that, but I think that the, the biggest thing you need is initiative. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so I started a website with a bunch of friends. Okay. At a, at a sort of a, a sports, it was a sort of a lighthearted sports commentary website. And that led to a bit of uh, some writing for, for sort of a more mainstream website. It's okay. local, local sort of um, local level uh, calling of games. Which in, in one respect, calling um, was actually... Um, almost my probably more of my dream and passion at a younger age, but but I, I enjoy the writing as well, and um, got very lucky that um, I got recommended for for a maternity leave position at the age when I was twenty three um, through someone I had been doing a bit of work with, and they put my name forward, and um, I was you know, managed to you know be offered a job, and I was offered a job, and uh, sort of tried to make the most of that, and you know very feel very lucky to have been able to forge a, a reasonable career in the industry for you know what's coming up to well um you know about, about uh, well eight and a half years the best best part of a decade so it's gone very quickly and okay. yeah i still 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 okay. pitch myself but um yeah a real a real and, lucky and a real passion and i have i'm going to ask you where people can find your work now that i have three real quick questions to wrap up with sure. so where, where can people find your work now and tell us a little bit about that sure yeah so um 
yeah, you know, I've been to the age until uh, late last year and, and left there. And it was a tough call to leave there. I sort of love, love the age at one of one of, sort of Melbourne's Australia's great newspapers, and you know, I still would recommend people read the age. But uh, uh, I worked now for for a website called Code Sports. It started up, um, uh, well, started up as, uh, late last year. So I was there from um, just before they launched. Um, it's sort of been the pipeline for you know a few months before then. Um, it's it's part of News Corp's um, sports offering. Um, the company, I think, we're looking to sort of start a, a specialty subscription sports website. Um, uh, probably with you know a, a little bit similar to the Athletic. I mean, I, I'd be mm-hmm. lying if it sort of was was that suggesting it was the size or scale of the Athletic, which obviously has you know bet writers across um, you know all, all of American professional sports teams and, and you know size of the footing in, in Europe. Clearly, this, there's not the scale here in a much smaller country, but um, it's, it's a little bit like that. So we try to have a bit more, probably um, it, the site has a bit more of a, um, maybe a bit more of a considered longer form uh, feel, um, not exclusive, exclusively so. And, um, you know, without the risk of sounding like doing a sales pitch, you know, we, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot there, um, mm-hmm. both news analysis features. So um, opinion pieces, quite a wide range across all Australian sport and then, then a bit of some global sport as well. So, I, you know, as, as um, you said, touched on at the start, I, I write about footy uh, and, and cricket, um, the two, two sports. I mean, cricket obviously will be a bit more pretty foreign, I imagine, to, to the US audience. But um, uh, those are sort of the two sports I, I cover um, closely and, and, and I'm passionate about and, uh, you know, touch a little bit on others. But, yeah, so uh, codesports.com.au, um, there's, there's an app as well. Um, not sure if you need a Australian mobile number to sign up. I think and you do not. Thing. You don't, huh? Because no, I'm that's... I'm signed up and I didn't need one. Yeah. Okay. So three three other quick questions for you. And I, uh, you know, there's there's this big push right now for a uh, new club license in Tasmania. And I want it based upon your biography. I want to know if you can get behind my proposal here. Okay. I know everybody's talking about the Tasmania Devils, but I'm I'm thinking the Hobart Simpsons. What do you think? <laughs> Because you, you basically said you're a frequent Simpsons quoter there. So I figured I should go ahead and ask you that. Um, and while you're thinking yeah, no. about that, what's your favorite episode? Oh, yeah, that's, it's like choosing which is your favorite child. Um, <laughs> um, I, there's so many. Um, and I talk about Simpsons. Look, any, any Simpsons reference I'm, I'm, I'd get behind. And, you know, the, I think... In a weird way, it's, I know it's like it's not going to happen, but in a weird way, something like that would actually be would probably allow and it'd be gimmicky, but it would. It's probably not the market for it. If you had some sort of real weird market like that was that was um, you know that was not a that was not a footy heartland, mm-hmm. you could do something a bit like that. I mean, the Anaheim Ducks, right, right, Ducks, yeah, yeah. They, you know, there, there there is actually, and the AFL have shamelessly gone to bed with all sorts of companies, so. It's not as Marvel ridiculous as, as, as it may. Exactly, exactly yeah. right. So, you know, it, you'd never put. I mean, it would probably be a bit. A bit people would. It'd be a laughing stock <laughs> at some level. But my favorite. <laughs> look, my favorite episode. Um, oh, look, there's so many. I, I really like. Um, uh, oh, I think I like Homer at Bat, the baseball episode. I think the, the, the sporting connections a lot, very quotable. I like 22 okay. short stories about Springfield. There's a lot, okay. there's a lot uh, I could, you know, um, 
Uh, I mean, I, I I need to go through a lot of right. season four and five stuff is, is probably is probably the best. But there's so, there's so many great episodes. Yeah, and I know you have to jump to another meeting. But the last thing, will Bart ever get out of the fourth grade? <laughs> I wouldn't have thought so. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, it, it's 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 interesting with the Simpsons. Like they're they're now getting to um um you know what are we thirty three seasons something, in like, something that, like that yeah something like that. I mean, yeah. you know, if if I'm being frank, I. I wouldn't have watched more than one or two episodes, new episodes in the last 10 years. Like you turn it on every now and again. It's just, I don't really think, I think because the voice actors, some of the voice actors have changed, the writers have changed. It's not the same show. It probably hasn't been the same show for since, uh, I mean, people say when it jumped the shark around the late nineties, even maybe, you know, maybe if you give it a couple more years, okay. um, I mean, classics, you know, I, I actually don't know anyone who still watches the Simpsons regular in terms of new seasons. <laughs> um it's sort of you almost like you need a bit of cognitive dissonance to forget that they, they, they produce all these series that probably aren't early seasons that particularly good but the the, the the first decade was so good that it doesn't really matter but um right, right. maybe i should maybe i should give it a maybe some maybe i should experiment and actually try to stomach some of the new stuff but it just it's not okay. the same okay well daniel i thank you for your time this morning sir i know you've got to jump into another meeting right. right now but i truly appreciate you taking time out of your morning sir no, I appreciate it, Craig. Sorry I couldn't be on longer, but uh, no, that's okay. Another, that's great. Love to, be back, love to be back on another time, and um, yeah, all sure the cats and and, and and great work with uh, with all you're doing in, in the U.S. I appreciate it, sir. Thanks so very much. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Daniel, I want to thank you so very much, sir, for taking time out of your morning. I know you had a tight schedule. I appreciate you being able to squeeze me in there. We had a little bit of a glitch with regards to our connection, but we got it up and running. Now, folks, remember that you can find everything related to my podcast over at my website, yankonthefooty.com. You can get signed up on the mailing list so that when new episodes come out, they're in your inbox. As soon as they come out, you can leave a review, which is a huge help to the show. It lets uh, people know what uh, what you think of it, that I can then turn around and use that as a bit of uh, free advertising, if you will, legitimacy, if you will, uh, that other listeners are enjoying what they're hearing. And uh, also, if you want to help out the podcast, you, there's the uh, Buy Me a Coffee page. Uh, there, the little button in the bottom left-hand corner, you can check that out. My store page from Redbubble is there as well if you want to get a sticker. Would love to be able to share your, uh, your photos of the stickers and such on the back windows of your ute or your car or whatever the case may be if you happen to have one there. Truly, truly appreciate all the support, though, that I've been getting from everybody. Now, folks, I do hope that you will look out for one another. Check in with your friends. Uh, give them a call. See how they're doing. I did see on uh, Twitter earlier today, I'm recording this on Wednesday evening, my time, uh, which is when I thought I was going to be doing another interview, and I screwed up and jotted down the wrong time. So, Michael, I apologize for that. Uh, but, folks, check up on your friends. Make sure they're okay. I, as I was saying, I did see somebody had posted that their place of business uh, in, I believe, in Victoria was going back to a mask mandate. And they were not too terribly happy about this. Now, one little thing I did want to mention here, and uh, you may have uh, noticed if you've, if you've looked at the show notes for the podcast, and I hope you have, I do list at the bottom of each episode's show notes the, uh, the help numbers. Uh, for organizations like Beyond Blue, um, 
suicide prevention hotlines, things of that nature. Well, for here in the United States, I did want to mention that uh, four days ago, the United States uh, Department of Veterans Affairs uh, did something that I'm, I'm absolutely thrilled about. Being a veteran myself, my son is a military member. You know, I know many, many people who are serving in the military or have served. Uh, they have added a streamlined suicide prevention hotline uh, for military veterans and uh, active duty military members. And what that number is, and I'll put that link in the show notes, if you're here in the United States and you need to talk to somebody, you can, on your phone, you can dial 988 and then press number 1 so you don't have to remember the other suicide prevention hotline numbers, 988 and press 1 to get you there. And like I said, I will put that information in the show notes. But again, folks, check up on with each other. Let everybody you know that you're okay, that you're... That you're uh, Look it out for them as well. I do appreciate all the kind words that I receive from all of you. This is this is still this labor of love that I'm absolutely enjoying. I'm very excited about the direction that the podcast is going, and I have lots of fun things lined up here in uh, subsequent episodes. We've only got a few rounds of footy left, and it's going to be a lot, a lot of fun. So, folks, as always, may your dribble kick never hit that post. I will catch you later. This has been episode 188 of A Yank on the Footy. Don't forget that you can reach me by my website, yankonthefooty.com. You can also reach me at yankonthefooty at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me over there on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter at yank underscore on. I do hope that you'll reach out. I do hope that you'll share your favorite episode with your friends and family. I would love for you to share episode 186, the one about the birthday cards. If That would be a huge help because we're trying to get as many of those as we possibly can for my mom's upcoming 80th birthday. Again, folks, thanks for listening. Please consider sharing the podcast with your friends and family. And until next time, this is Craig Wessels. Goodbye.